This is the Regular Pastor Podcast. My name is Landon Coleman. I am the preaching pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Odessa, Texas. Today I am talking to the one and only Stephen Stroop. You know him on the streets as the Stroop Dog. (laughs) Stephen Stroop, welcome to the Regular Pastor Podcast. Thanks for having me. Stephen has served in a number of ministry roles in his life. Uh, I think for about five years, you were actually the worship pastor here at Emmanuel, and uh, for several years, you were the senior pastor of Hope Family Baptist Church, and currently, I think you and your wife are still working on some new ministry ventures. I haven't had an update in the last couple of weeks, so both of our listeners want to know who you are. They want to know what you uh, and your wife have uh uh, in the works as far as ministry. So tell us just a little bit about your family and uh, what's what's coming up for you and your family. Well, um, again, my name is Stephen, and I am the father to one wife and the or the father to one wife, huh? The husband to one wife and the father <laughs> to uh, eleven, uh, counting the one we're expecting, children. And uh, is, don't look like you're going to faint. <laughs> no, is this is this like the? Uh, I know you've told a few people that you've got eleven number eleven on the way, but is this like the official oh, media sure. release? Yeah, like, we got to save it. This is the press yes. release right here. Awesome, <laughs> very cool. Congratulations on number eleven. Thank you very hoping much. Hoping for a girl. We are hoping for a girl because we are out of room for boys. There you go. But uh, we, I have been in ministry for a long, long time, and. Uh, and currently, though, I'm in the ministry of renovating homes <laughs> yep. and uh, witnessing anyone that I find needs the gospel. And uh, I am still always working on extra ministry ventures, especially with regards to music uh, or materials that will help uh, young families and uh, and parents. But uh, we're still in the works on all of that. So yeah. nothing to announce quite yet, but just keep your eyes open. Awesome. Getting closer. Yes. When all that stuff comes around, we'll be sure to uh, to put put it up on the blog or put it up on the website so folks can know how to how to find out what's going on. I'm excited on the music stuff. I hope I hope that's something you'll continue to pursue is just taking uh, scripture and putting it to music. Absolutely. I think most people are like me. Scripture memory is challenging. And uh, memorizing songs and lyrics to songs is not and right. So right, combine well, the two, and that's a great thing. If you ask people how many scripture they uh, verses they remember, most of the time it's a short list. Yep. If you ask them how many songs they remember, it's an incredibly lengthy. Yeah, list. just keep singing along. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, very cool. Uh, today, what Steve and I are going to talk about is disappointment in ministry. And maybe I should just start that discussion by saying uh, it's disappointing when you record a podcast on disappointment in ministry, <laughs> and then you try to play with the file, and you lose it, and you have to re-record the podcast. That's a small disappointment. Yeah, minor disappointment. The real question is, since we've already had this conversation once, do you think we'll be better today than we were last time? Not that no one would ever know, but do you think you think like that was layup drills, that was warm ups, and this is like the real game? You feel good about it? I feel good about it, but I don't know that better is the word as much as different <laughs> is the word. Yeah, <laughs> we both looked at our notes from last time and uh, kind of answered some things differently or thought a little bit differently. So we're going to talk about disappointment in ministry. I don't want it to be a pity party. I don't want us to sit here like a couple of negative Nancys and whine and commiserate about, you know, how terrible things have been in ministry. But I do want to acknowledge that 
in ministry, which I guess is true of any area of life uh, in a fallen world, but it's certainly true of ministry. There are things that are just flat out disappointing, mm-hmm. and that can be a hard thing for a regular pastor to deal with. So let me just start with this question. When somebody gets into ministry, maybe this is a young guy right out of school, um, a guy who maybe late in life has pursued a career change to go into ministry. When someone is new in ministry, local church ministry, what do you think their expectations are? What do they expect to happen when they show up on the scene? Well, I think the easy answer going into ministry, especially as a younger person, is we want people to get saved. Yeah, That's the easy answer. Um, I think if you dig a little deeper than what you really want is for God to use you hmm. to make an impact, but you would prefer for it to be a big impact. Hmm. And uh, I think if we dig even deeper into that, we might expect that our unique thoughts or ideas um, would be more effective than ever before or might be more changing. Like if we could, if I could just get out there, I preach it right or I'll mm. teach it right or I'll program it right or I'll run it better and uh, because I've got all these new fresh things and I think we think ultimately we'll be more effective once we're in the game. Yeah. Um, than other uh, people? Then more effective maybe than, than other, other people, people or, yeah. or ministry that we grew up with or, or that same uh, that same uh, specific ministry that we're entering, we hope to improve upon it. Um, so I think like a teacher, a new teacher going into a school, I, I think we hope that we'll, we're going to save the world and there's a sense of excitement and boldness, which is good. Uh, but Why I'll, is it good? To be excited and, and to be bold about going into something. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing unbiblical about being excited yeah. about ministry or, or people getting saved or the church growing or... Uh, uh, theology taught or families changed and li- there's nothing nothing that you can argue against with that um, but I think it's also mixed with a little bit of naivete and mm. ignorance um, that we o- that only we can realize no one can ever point out to us mm. we're gonna realize it after we have had a little bit of reality kick in so you think this is something these expectations are they something that can be tempered? Are they something that should be tempered? Should you just let a new young guy learn it on his own in the the hard knocks school of church ministry? Or should you say to someone up front, listen, young fella, it is not going to be all that you think it's going to be. Should you, do you want people to go in as pessimists or do you want them to go in as world changers? No, I, I, I think we want to save the world, uh, but we only thought we knew how deep the water was going to be, and we only thought that everybody wanted to be saved. Yeah. And so I think there's a balance where, yes, older, wiser men should say, uh, hey, here's a, a warning. Uh, here's some helpful advice on how to perceive this, what the perspective is from someone that's been there. But but I don't think you should ever try to kill that energy, that mm. enthusiasm, that uh, boldness that someone has because – that's what we all hope for yeah. to keep going for years and years. Do you think just dialing back to something you said earlier? When we go into ministry, just the collective we, the anonymous we, and we have this expectation or this hope that God is going to do something, you use the word big hmm. through us. Is that 
a sinful expectation? Is it always wrapped up in pride in a way that we need to root that out? Or is there something rightly ambitious, do you think, about entering ministry and hoping that God would do something big through us, not necessarily through the guy down the street, but through us? Is that wrong? What would you say to a guy who's who's wrestling with that? Uh, see, here's where all those uh, seven points to success and Zig Ziglar uh, podcasts <laughs> ruin your brain. Uh, I, I would say that it's not wrong to want to see a big impact for Christ's kingdom made. It's not wrong to want to be a part of that. Uh, or it's not wrong for you to want God to use your gifts that he's given you to be able to be part of that. Uh, it's only wrong when you do ministry in any other way than than focusing on his ultimate goals or mm-hmm. his ultimate agenda. Uh, and that's I think that's a lifelong balance. Yeah. I don't think that there is a... Um, I, I don't think there's a moment that passes where something big happens and you don't struggle to feel proud about the fact that you were part of it, right? Uh, or something small happens and you don't, or and you don't um, uh, struggle with the possible disappointment that it was smaller than what you had hoped, right? I, I've thought a lot about this since we recorded last time, and and as we've talked about, you know, re-recording this. Um, one thing I've thought about, and I don't really have the answer to, is is what is the role of a seminary in tempering this ambition that may be a little bit too prideful, uh, maybe too, uh, maybe a little bit too centered on our name and reputation. And I think, I think, um, not that all pastors go to seminary or need to go to seminary, but I, I do think in preparing men for ministry, I think seminaries have some obligation to um, try to check that tendency that is just part of American church, just big, mega, popular clicks, likes, downloads, views. It's Hmm. just so we can't escape from it, and we're all impacted by it. And to pretend like it doesn't exist and to pretend like it's not going to be a rot on your ministry, Hmm. I think is not not responsible. I've also thought a lot about... um, just some of the parables of Jesus. I preached at a um, a church here in town, not Emmanuel, a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday night, and I talked about uh, some of Jesus' parables and the things that we read in the parables and just some of the things like uh, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Like it starts small, and it's okay to be in on the small stage. Yeah. And Revelation says the big end game is coming, but... That may not be your lot. Your lot may be the small stage, and it doesn't mean it's insignificant or it's not important. Um, all of this we're talking about, I think, is relevant to disappointment in ministry because sometimes our expectations set us up for disappointment. Oh, sure. And there's going to be plenty of disappointment regardless of what your expectations right. are. But right. sometimes expectations that are out of whack really are going to set you up for just crushing disappointment when things don't go the way you thought they ought to go sure, or that God ought to make them well, go. Let me go back to something you said there with regards to the impact. And 
one of the things I learned early on was that uh, everybody wants to to be Paul, and if they have the success of quote unquote Paul's ministry, then they would gladly go to be martyred afterwards because mm. they would feel like it was worthwhile. Mm. But no one going into ministry wants to be Moses. Mm. You know, they don't want to be. Uh, they want to be if they want to be Moses. They want to be him holding the staff, part in the mm. Red Sea. They don't want to be him forty years in the desert with grumbling, complaining people, yeah. only to die watching him go in. He doesn't get to go uh, right. So there's there's a sense in which um, w- that might need to be uh, something that's taught. Um, I think over over with the seminary, the same thing could be said about. Um, character and morals Mm. in those are things you don't learn, uh, in school. They're taught mostly in the home. Um, hopefully. And so in the same way, I think if you're going to be, a a a seminary student at all, then your, um, your professors should make sure the school should have it as a priority to be able to at least train in the areas of what real ministry looks like and how disappointing it can be and how expectations turn. But I at least think at the very minimum, they should be able to teach the fact that the minute you begin to say things like my ministry or Mm. our ministry, instead of God's ministry, you've automatically set yourself up to have disappointment because your expectations aren't going to be met. Yeah. Your perspective skewed. Right. Setting aside the issue of expectations, um, why doesn't ministry always go the way we want it to go? What reasons would you pinpoint if you just had to take a big picture view and say, we are going to face disappointment? Why? What are the causes? What are the the reasons that we might face disappointment in ministry? <laughs> the same reason we face disappointment anywhere else is there, there's sin in the world and there's mm. sin in us. Yeah. And uh, there's sin with everyone that we work with and we talk to. And um, there's no escaping um, a fallen world until we die. We're sinners. Our people are sinners. Right. And the people we want to reach are sinners. Well, and then on the positive side, the flip side, God is sovereign and he's using all things for his glory. Uh, which, again, I think we had this discussion the last time we recorded was um, that it's easy to talk about God's sovereignty. Huh. It's easy to believe it intellectually. It's very hard to live out and in attitude and thought yeah. when things are wrong. Hard, hard, rough, yeah. difficult, challenging. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think I think those are good answers. Sin and the reality of, of living in a fallen cosmos is, is part of it. Um, God's plan, God's sovereignty, it just may not be what... Our plan is, and you're going to have to just deal with that and be okay (laughs) with it. And I think a a third, sometimes sometimes there's just outside circumstances. There's just things that are not in your control, and I guess we would believe they're under God's control, so we could lump this under God's sovereignty, but sometimes there's just circumstances. There's things that pop up that you have no control over that may affect the growth of your church numerically, or mm-hmm. that may affect the discipleship of your people and how effective you are in that. Um, 
we'll talk about some specifics uh, in all of these areas. Just off the top of your head, what do you think are some of the greatest disappointments that you've had to deal with in ministry? What are the things that were the hardest to wrap your brain around or your heart around, so to speak, uh, in dealing with with ministry disappointment? What what comes to your mind? Uh, Well, I'll give you a uh, first off personal example, and then I'll give you one that's a little more general, but I think is equally important. Uh, As you said um, at the beginning of the podcast, I I planted a church uh, from Emmanuel here we started, and, and we started with excitement and boldness and there was a plan there was a five-year plan on on what the first five years should look like there were prospective elders um in training there was um uh, a a list of doctrine that was going to be taught to the founding members so that we were all on the same page with uh, basic doctrine uh there was a good fellowship and yet over the course of about three years uh, we ended up losing two of our prospective mm-hmm. elders um, towards uh, relocation for their jobs. Um, uh, couldn't raise anybody else up to fill those positions. Um, and we struggled with some um, just some inner turmoil and some some uh, issues with individuals and, and families that they had to work through and that I had to work through by myself because I didn't have those extra elders. So we ended up... After a while, with the um, with the amount that I had on my plate regarding my family size already, and then the fact that I was working full time uh, doing renovations, and then also full time trying to prepare for uh, this for Sundays and for pastoring each family and each individual, mm. um, it just became too much, and and I ended up having to. Uh, stop to to end the church plant and then redirect everyone to uh, to a church home as best we could. And I think the the first and biggest disappointment in that was not that I couldn't make things work out because uh, I learned pretty quick, maybe the first three months of the <laughs> church plant, that I'm not really in charge of this thing yeah. and I can't make it work the way I want it to. But but the biggest disappointment was. I thought I was called to this, hmm. and yet it didn't pan out. So now, what am I called to? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I th- I thought I had, there was wise counsel. There was um, evidences that that I should be doing uh, this church plant. That I should be leading this, and uh, there was support from wiser men. Uh, and yet, it just kind of fell apart. And so, yeah. uh, a lot of that was the disappointment of. Um, what is your will? And I thought I knew it, but I, I apparently I'm trying to find out what it is now. Yeah. Um, the the second part of that is that that's more general, I guess, but is equally as important, especially to uh, this podcast. You know, being called regular pastors um, is the biggest disappointment in ministry is anytime sin wins, hmm. whether it's in a marriage falling apart or it's in someone that walks away hmm. from the faith. Um, it, it it's a huge, huge blow uh, because we're under shepherds uh, to the souls in the congregation, and and uh, there's a sense of responsibility and a sense of investment and a sense of love yeah. for the body. So uh, th- those would be my examples. Yeah, I think they're good. Um, 
I, I totally agree that as a pastor, when you see marriages within your congregation crumble, it's heartbreaking and disappointing, even more so when you are invested directly. Sometimes mm-hmm. that just happens and you don't even get a chance to try to help or, right. or you know, be a, a, a source of counsel or wisdom, but especially when you get involved in, in families and sin wins, right? it just is, it's hard to lay that down. It's hard not to replay it in your brain a thousand times and just to dwell on it and just be crushed by it. Right. Um, and, and as you mentioned too, the same is true for people that walk away. Um, that can be walking away from the faith. That can be walking away from your church after mm-hmm. you've invested in somebody just to see them not have a sense of loyalty or connection or, um, you know, just to to treat their church family relationship so lightly that they just walk from that, not necessarily away from Jesus, but from away, uh, excuse me, away from from what you've invested in them and in the relationship you've established. I think for a lot of regular pastors, and this I think fits with what you just talked about in family church, is just a lack of numerical growth. And that may be a church plant that starts strong and then doesn't make it. That may be a guy who goes to an established church thinking, I'm here, we're going to do the right things and we're going to grow and you just don't. Right. Um, that may be a guy who takes over a, a blowing and going church, and then things just kind of plateau out and level out. I just think in our culture, numerical growth has become the driver. Mm-hmm. It's it's if you can achieve numerical growth, that's you do whatever you can to do it. Yep. If you need to set up a celebrity pastor and put him on screens because people will only come watch him, well, you do it and you get more people that way. Mm. Um, I've even heard about uh, a growing trend where larger churches set up incentives, financial incentives for their pastors. And I'm not saying this is like at crazy churches. This is at churches you might not expect this at. Financial incentives almost for bonuses if certain benchmarks are met. And I just... Wow. When that's the prevailing mindset and the internet is just like steroids to this mentality that we all have because we see the celebrity guys, we watch their podcasts or we listen to their podcasts or we see their church and their their social media presence and their online presence and we're in awe of that and we're jealous of that and we're envious of that. Then when it doesn't happen where you're at, it just can really be... A crushing thing. Well, let's just say, call it what it is, you will always be disappointed by idols. Mm. And so whether it's church growth or numbers or anything else that you've got going on, if you make an idol out of it, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. I, I had a few other things on my list. These may seem silly. I want to mention them, but I want to mention them because they almost seem silly. Perfect. The, the other ones we mentioned are like big, weighty things. Sure, yeah. But here's some other things that have disappointed me in ministry. The first church I went to in Kentucky, when I met with the search team, they said, we're going to put, uh, not we, excuse me, but there's a man putting in a subdivision mm. right by the church. We were outside of town. There's this huge subdivision, hundreds of homes going to go in, all these people moving right in our backyard. And I thought, this is perfect. God is setting me up to reach all these people. And the developer, about the time I started, 
went bankrupt. He was running a Ponzi <laughs> scheme in the real estate business, and his subdivision sat there. As far as I know, it was never developed, and uh, he's got streets, beautiful streets, but no homes. <laughs> and uh, no name. <laughs> yeah. So that was disappointing because I didn't have a lot of population to reach close yeah. to our church, and I thought, here comes 400 people. Yeah, and it didn't work out. It's disappointing. Um, I think about the second church I went to in Oklahoma. I think uh, there were about seven or eight guys on the search team, and within about six months of being there, three of them had left the church. Mm. So not half, but it sure felt like sure, half. Yeah, and they were prominent guys, and they were leaders in the church, and they didn't all leave for bad reasons, but they left. And I sort of felt like, man, you guys just brought me here. And as soon as I got here, was it me? Do you not like me? Did, <laughs> is it my preaching? Am yeah. I, you know, what? <laughs> what's going on? It was just, um, it was a disappointment. Yeah. And uh, I just think whether it's a, a big issue, quote unquote, big issue like sin destroying a family or something like a subdivision that, that doesn't go in and your plans are changed, um, or your church doesn't grow numerically, or uh, your church doesn't make it, I just think disappointment is something that we've got to learn to deal with. So with that in mind, you let me, tell let me, me... Let me interject okay. real quick. I want to ask you a question. How many of those things, those disappointments, can you look back at and see where God's hand showed you why or showed you the benefit of that happening. That doesn't always happen. We don't always get an answer yeah. why, but how many of those times yeah. can you look back and see how you were saved from something maybe? Yeah. I don't know the I don't know the percentage to put on that. I have a in my notes I'm looking at, I have a much longer list of disappointing things. That was not the <laughs> the exhaustive reading of the list, but I think you're right. I think with time, sometimes you get a little bit of hindsight or sure. insight or wisdom or perspective to look back and say, it was actually kind of a good thing that that guy left. That's right. Or if that subdivision had gone in, you know, I think about that church I was at. We we as a church were not in a healthy position to bring people in. That's right. Yep. And I hate to admit that because I'd like to be cocky enough to say, I could have handled it. I could have held it all together and we would have made it work, but we were a mess. You might have said that back then. I would have said it back then. I know I would have, and I'd still like to say it now, but at least now I know it would have been a a train wreck to have a hundred people show up at your church. We weren't ready for that. We couldn't have accommodated that or or dealt with that. So I think you're right. Sometimes with hindsight, sometimes. There's a grace shown to You get a little bit of uh, a clarity to, to see Thank you, God, for not letting my plans come to fruition. You had a better plan. Amen. What do you think are bad ways that pastors respond to disappointment in ministry? Posting it on Facebook. Mm. (laughs) I didn't write that in my notes. That just came out. Sorry about that. Um, Venting on social media. Yeah, venting on social media, or even if you're not a social media person, venting to anybody in a way that would uh be a uh be not gracious and and not humble but but uh instead just wanting to get out those emotions and just venting to whoever will listen because there have, are certain people 
Um, maybe even in your own congregation, you don't need to do that to, yeah. whether it be because they might take that and spread it or whether it might discourage them. Totally. Could so. sour them on the church as a whole. Absolutely. And I've seen that happen um, where a venting pastor or a venting staff member at a church just totally turns someone off from church at all. Like, yeah. Well, if that's what it is, if right. that's how the sausage made, <laughs> if that's what the, the end game is, and you're a pastor or a minister, I don't want anything to do with that. Right, right. I think a lot of guys, um, they just go somewhere else. That's um, true. You know, they get to a church, you have the honeymoon period, you realize things are not all as great as they were cracked up to be or they looked like they were from the outside, and they just bop along somewhere else, move down the road. And there's so many churches and so many openings for pastors and youth pastors and music guys that there's always another opportunity. And so if it's rough and tough where you're at, it's really pretty easy just to go somewhere else and not deal with any of the problems that maybe you need to put your head to the ground and deal with. Yet another thing that probably should be taught in seminaries Mm. uh, across the nation is that we would never tell you to keep your options open if things don't pan out in your marriage or in your friendships. Yeah. So why would we tell you to do that with the church, the body of Christ? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. Okay, so let's be positive. Let's end on a good note here. <laughs> You're going to face disappointment. Sin is a reality. God's plans are not always your plans. Sometimes there's just things that happen that are a turn of events that are not what you expected or planned for or hoped for. How do pastors deal with disappointment in a God-honoring, Christ-exalting way? How do we deal with it? Uh, Well, I think that we need to rely on the Word of God. Um, I I would first look to Scripture specifically with regards to both God's promises and to his sovereignty. So, uh, you know, I think a Hebrew is where he says, I'll never leave or forsake you. Uh, that's the first one that comes to my mind right now. Or uh, if I, if you were to turn to Isaiah 46 mm-hmm. and look at it, you'd see where he says, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. And just remind yourself of both his goodness and his promises, but also his, his kingship and his sovereignty so that you remember your place in his ministry and not yeah. your own. More than just an intellectual head nod toward the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God is actually preaching those truths to yourself right. regardless of the circumstance you're in. And I, those were the first two on my list. The third doctrine that I would add to that is just depravity. That, you know, as Reformed guys, we talk about total depravity, but it's real. Yeah. And it's going to jack you up yeah. in your home, in your marriage, in your church, in your work, in whatever you're doing. It's going to have consequences. And sometimes sometimes in ministry, we just act surprised that people are depraved. Like, <laughs> why are, why won't they come? Why won't they be faithful? Why, why would they throw their marriage? Well, sin. You believe in a pretty robust doctrine of sin, at least you claim to. Right. And that gets lived out, right. and it's rough, and it's tough, and you've got to, you've got to be able to take your doctrine, whether it's the sovereignty of God or the goodness of God, or the 
unfaithfulness of God or the depravity of human beings and just live that out and apply it and preach it to yourself. And it's got to be more than a book knowledge type understanding. It's got to have impact. It's going to come down to you taking those moments and and then hashing through everything you preach to your people and say, uh, do I really believe this? Yeah. Uh, instead of just applying it to someone else. Yeah. I, I like your preach it to yourself. Yeah. This is kind of a Sunday school answer, but there's a church blog or pastor blog, so I guess that's okay. <laughs> Probably better be praying. Yes. Like you you're going to realize pretty early on in ministry you are not up for the task. Right. You are not capable. You don't have all the answers. Mm. And that can drive you to despair or that can drive you to God in prayer. And not necessarily prayer and asking God to work it all out how you want him to, but just prayer and acknowledging your dependence on him. I need you to do through me what you've called me to do because I can't do it myself. Well, and and, and also um, there's an honesty in saying that I cannot depend on myself. I have to depend on you. Um, but I think there needs to be a humility in that prayer as well that says, I'm coming to you to acknowledge my disappointment. Mm. I want you to know what I'm disappointed about because it's okay to let you know that, uh, but I need to do it in with honor and, right. res- and respect towards you. But um, I, you know, if you think about David, it's very in the Psalms. In one verse, he's saying, "How long, O Lord?" Right. And in the very next verse, he's saying, "But you alone sustain me." So. Uh, I think there's a, a balance to that, but it should be very honest, both in your ability to admit, I'm disappointed, but also your ability to admit, but I've also relied on myself a lot, and I need to rely on you. Man, you could do a whole podcast on how the Psalms of Lament apply to disappointment in oh, pastoral yeah. ministry. Absolutely. Really good. I think one thing I had on my list is friends. Mm. I think you need friends if you're going to make it through disappointment in ministry. And, you know, friends within your church are important. But I also think the regular pastor out there needs to have friends not at his church who are in ministry in other churches, not so you can get around and gripe about your people and talk about how terrible everything is, but (laughs) so that you can talk to people who can relate to where you're at or older, wiser men who have been where you are who can give you some perspective on that. I just think to assume that we can do it as an island unto ourselves uh, is is just so arrogant, and I think you need people to walk with you. I I agree with that, and I would almost... I don't know if I want to say 100% of the time because there are a few younger guys with older souls, but I would almost advise for you to always have uh, wiser and older mm. uh, men uh, in your council of, uh, of of guys to be able to go to because you know they've experienced their own disappointment and because you know from your relationship with them that they have gone to God in that disappointment so yeah. they can lead you to a, a refocusing on what uh, you're supposed to be focused on, which is God's glory, as opposed to sometimes if you go to a younger friend or a friend that's in the same boat as you, what you might get is instead, let's put our heads together and figure out some formulaic solution to this disappointment. Yeah. So, or just someone to be miserable with you and to say, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I've experienced that. It's the worst. And you yeah. just sit and pout about it. Yeah. And those people, those people. You know, yeah. So that's right. 
The last thing on my list, how do you deal with disappointment, is just sometimes you got to toughen up. Like ministry is not easy. And so sometimes you just need to endure and stick with it. And the problems that seem so pressing today are not going to seem so bad in a month. Sometimes. <laughs> they, they might get worse. But sometimes they, they go away. The, the crushing weight of it doesn't sit on you so heavy, and sometimes you just need to hang in there and study and preach and disciple and pray, and there are seasons to ministry. It's not always one long period of disappointment. Sure. No, uh, um, I, I think it's funny. It's interesting that you added. I don't remember that being in your notes last time, so <laughs> to toughen up, uh, suck it up. Uh, I think that that's a very important thing only because... Um, that when we entered into the ministry, uh, we had excitement, but we also had boldness. Mm. And you prove how fake that is and how much you depend on yourself if every time something goes wrong, you're just going to crawl under a rock yeah. or go to a different place or try to make sure, see if the grass is greener somewhere else. Um, so I, I would agree with you that uh, anything that is worth doing most of the time is going to be harder. Yeah, I like that. So. Uh, but especially with regards to what God calls us to, he flat out tells us this is a narrow and hard road. He yeah. doesn't give any bones about it. Uh, he doesn't try to sugarcoat it. He talks about taking up your cross. I mean, uh, yet another thing that might should be taught in seminaries yeah. is all the evidence points to this is going to be hard, but it's good, yeah. and it's for God's glory, yeah. and you can endure as long as you depend on him. Amen. That's a good place to end. I think this was way better than our last uh, <laughs> the missing podcast that I destroyed. So in hindsight, we got to redo we it. See. In hindsight, yeah, it was <laughs> a blessing right. in disguise. Thank you, folks, for listening to this episode of the Regular Pastor Podcast. Check out our website, regularpastor.com. Uh, we've got links to social media. We've got resources for regular pastors. When the Stroops get some of their new ministry ventures up, we'll be sure to contact uh, or provide contacts for them uh, up on the website. We've got email. You can find on the website. Contact us with questions, suggestions, requests. Until next time, this is The Regular Pastor. <laughs>